before we jump into study this morning, I wanted to ask you guys a question. And the question is, what do you seek? There's a lot of reasons why people go to church on a Sunday morning. There's a lot of reasons why people gather together in the name of God. But I want us to be honest, what are you seeking this morning? So there's a lot of things that we are looking for, uh, a lot of answers that we may want, but what are you seeking? Or maybe the question is, whom are you seeking? Uh, I want you guys to ponder on that for a moment. I want to share just one verse from Psalm 40 or 89, verse 46, 89, 46. It's a question, and the verse says this, How long, O Lord, will you hide your face? So this morning, I want to kind of consider with you guys living with a hide-and-seek God. How many of you guys, your favorite game growing up was hide-and-seek? A few of you guys. Um, I remember a little over two decades ago, mid-90s, uh, I was part of a youth ministry that grew to be one of the biggest uh, in the area, in the state, uh, and we had a lock-in. How many of you guys have done a lock-in before? Okay, how many parents have sent your kids to a lock-in? Greatest gift of all time, isn't it? Send them away, they're up all night, and they come home and sleep all day. So, <laughs> we were having a lock-in at uh, <clears throat> Integrity Christian Center. They had a youth ministry called Outbreak, and any of you guys remember where they were located 25 years ago? It was out by the mall where Outback is now. And they had one of the coolest buildings ever. It was round. They used to have theater dinners in there. Very unique building. Multi-floors. Dozens and dozens of rooms. So when we had lock-ins, we would play hide-and-seek. But kind of a morph of hide-and-seek. How many of you guys have heard of the game Sardines before? Okay, it's... One person hides, but instead of finding, when you find them, you say, hey, I found them, you actually hide with them. You guys get that? And if another person comes along and finds them, then they hide. Pretty soon, the dozens and dozens and dozens of people playing that night were starting to disappear. Hey, they've been found. People are finding them. We're thinning out. Well, we're playing pitch black there, okay? The bad side of the game, when it's dark, you're kicking under tables, trying to find people. You might kick somebody if they're hiding. But this one student hid so well, okay, it was one of those things. We were on mission because we were all a little frazzled for a good 15, 20 minutes. Couldn't find them. And then finally, people started disappearing. And then finally, I was the last one to find them all. At least we thought I was the last one. It's middle of the dark. We had probably 40, 50 kids there that night. So, hey, game over. Everybody's found. So we went back into the sanctuary. Well, about half an hour later, there was another student that came in crying a little bit because they were still playing the game when we had already been done for a while and they were still seeking for the whole group that was hiding with this person. So that was one of my fond memories of a hide-and-seek game. Another one I had fun with, how many of you guys have been to Nature's Edge before? It's not Nature's Edge anymore, but it's a camp out in Wapaka. 
I was youth pastoring at Calvary Chapel, and we had a retreat there. And we had the leaders hide, and all the kids had to come and find us. I climbed up in this huge pine tree, way up in a pine tree. It's nighttime already. All the kids are coming out. And it was so much fun, guys, because they would come by the tree, and I would yell out, Hey, you missed me! The opposite way. And because my voice would be thrown, you know what all the kids would do? They would turn around and they'd go running past the tree again. And I'd be like, oops, wrong way again, guys. You know, they come by and they kept coming by. They just couldn't find me. I'm up in this tree and I just kept throwing my voice. They couldn't find me. I'll talk about a third hide-and-seek game later in the sermon. But I want to ask you guys, is this how you see God sometimes? A little hard to find. Where are you, God? Maybe you always feel like you're seeking, but he's nowhere to be found. Or you believe that he's out there, but he's hiding from you. Everyone else seems to know where he is. It's just you that he's hiding from. Some of you are in a new place, maybe a scary place, maybe a dark place. And you need to know that God is here. I'd like to say here at the beginning that God is terrible at hide and seek. Okay? He's terrible. Um, I'd also like to say he doesn't hide himself from us, or he will at times. But there's a purpose in that. I'd like to challenge us what to do when this happens. And that's why I want to take a look at the book of Job with you guys this morning, chapter 23. If you open your Bible halfway, you'll probably hit the Psalms. And right before Psalms, you will find the book of Job. It is the oldest book in the Bible. And I think Job says it most clearly in regards to God hiding himself. I want to look at verses 8 to 12 with you. Job 23.8 I go east, but he is not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come forth pure as gold, for I have stayed on God's path, and I have followed his ways, and I have not turned aside. I have not departed from his commands, but I have treasured his words more than daily food. Is that a cool passage or what? So, Would you guys agree with me God was hiding from Job? Have you asked yourself lately, what is God doing in my life? Well, if you have, I think we're, you're probably in good company. I'd ask you guys this morning maybe to pull up a rock next to Job and consider what he has to say here. See, we trust him when we cannot trace him. If you look at verse 10 again, it says, But he knows where I am going. 
You see, I don't always know his ways, but he always knows mine. So let's review some facts. He's never once lost you. He knows your step before your, your foot falls. And he knows you intimately. Those are facts about our God. You guys remember the song, He Knows My Name? I hope so. We just sing it together. I have a maker. He formed my heart. Before even time began, my life was in his hand. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls. He hears me when I call. I have a father. He calls me his own. He never leaves me no matter where I go. Isn't that cool, guys? That's our God. Look at the second part of verse 10 here. And when he tests me, I come out as pure gold. When he tests me. Why would God test us? I'm glad you asked. You guys note here the testing's coming from God, right? So I want us to remember, guys, all the dogs of affliction are muzzled until God sets them free. You see the next two verses, they let us know how to get to and how to maintain a heart of gold. Do you guys know that God cares about our hearts? Some of us are here. Great. You're physically here. But what's going on in the heart this morning? That's what God cares about. As we sing praise to Him. He doesn't really care how good you sound or how ungood you might sound. What does He care about? Your heart, right? God cares about the heart. So, our hospitals, they're set up with these cardio tackle meters. It's a device that counts our heartbeats. I want to take a personal cardiogram of ourselves late, or <laughs> this morning and really consider how are our hearts doing lately. You see, will you choose to go for the gold in your situation? I hope so. I want to encourage you as your brother, your pastor this morning, to go for it. Okay? That's what pleases God. I think sometimes we whisper... I shall come forth as mold. <laughs> right? Um, look at verse 11 with me again. Because this is, a, it's looking at how Job would pursue the gold. It tells us, For I have stayed on God's paths, and I have followed His ways, and I have not turned aside. So be sure-footed, guys. It's so important. Just a week and a half ago, we were in Idaho Falls, and they have mountains there. And we went for a five-mile walk up a mountain. And we got to some spots, wonderful trails, beautiful, along a river flowing down, a big creek down the mountain. And we're following the path. But we got to some spots that got pretty steep. And my daughter, which I made wear shoes, because you don't wear flip-flops. Why? Because I wanted to make sure that we, she was sure-footed. When we got to that part, I purposely was right behind her. Shalom. Keep your eyes on the path. Be careful. The rocks are a little slippery. It's pretty tight here. 
Because if you knew my daughter, she might be like, oh, a unicorn, woo <laughs> Just kidding, she's not here this morning. She's having a sleepover so I can pick on her a little bit. But the point is, is her dad, I wanted to make sure that she stayed on the path. Because if she just turned a little bit, it could have been fatal. And I wanted to be right there just in case she did slip to grab her. But Job gets this. And that's why he says in verse 11, Hey, I've stayed on the good paths. I've followed his ways. I have not turned aside. So be sure-footed. He wants us to have a sure-footed confidence through difficult times. And where is our confidence, guys? It's in Jesus Christ, isn't it? That's how we can be sure-footed. Are we living in uncertain times? Yeah. But we also have God's Word, don't we? And He told us about these things beforehand that our hearts wouldn't be troubled. He tells us clearly what's going to be going on in the last days. And I see many Christians tripping out about what God says is already going to happen and they're trying to stop it from happening. It's going to happen whether we do anything or not, guys. He's coming back. What we need to do is stay on the path with Him. You see, guys, staying on track, very important. I think if the devil had a backyard full of construction signs, I bet you 90% of them would say detour. That's exactly what Satan's trying to do to the church right now. Man, we got a great opportunity right now. At least in my life, time. What a great opportunity to have people tripping out, finding themselves hopeless, looking for truth, looking for answers. And we have it, don't we, guys? We get to share with people the right path, the path to eternal life, to introduce them to Jesus Christ. So, if he could just bump us, Satan, if he could just bump us, as the church, as believers, just one degree, either way, left or right, that's not going to look good down the line, is it? Because you're going to be way off track by then. And I think that's how Satan works, doesn't he? Because if he comes to you and says, hey, I want you to be derailed. I want you to be way over here right now. You're going to be like, forget you, Satan. You stink, right? But he comes in. Those fiery darts, a little temptation, just flirt a little here, compromise just a little bit there. Okay, that's not too bad because I'm still pretty close. I'm still on the path. I'm just veering just a hair. No, straight and narrow is the path that leads to eternal life, right? Broad is the way that leads to destruction. So we're called by God to stand His path. Take the words of Job. Take it to heart. Be sure-footed. Stay on God's paths. Because Satan right now is getting a whole lot of us off track. Keep your eyes on him. Keep following him. So, look at verse 12. I have not departed from his commandments, but have treasured his words more than daily food. Wow! I love that scripture. I hope that's underlined in your Bibles, guys. What does this mean? Well, I think Job is saying here, I will do what he says. Right? 
obedience to his word. It's one thing to know his word, James 1.22, but it's a whole other thing to actually be a doer of his word, correct? And that's where submission, <laughs> surrender, obedience is so important. I know you've asked me to walk this way, God, and to be about these things. But don't you see all these other things going on? And I'll do that if I get around. No, do the word of God. Love the Lord with all your heart. But I got other things I want to be loving right now. No, do the word of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things will be added unto you. He knows what you need. And he wants us to seek him. I also see here in verse 12, Job saying, hey, I'm going to place a higher importance upon my spiritual food than on my physical food. And not in a way of being legalistic, but I just want to throw it out there. Do you spend more time preparing a meal and eating the meal and cleaning up after the meal than you are in preparation to feed yourself spiritually and partake spiritually? That's between you and the Lord. I don't want to throw a trip out there, but what Job is saying, if I'm going to stay on this path, spiritual food's important. The Word of God is important. And that's why we put such an emphasis upon it here at Freedom Fellowship. We could talk about many things this morning, but that's not going to help us spiritually. This passage in Job is one that I'm praying, and I've been praying, will encourage our hearts to seek God more. Because we can learn a whole lot of things and get a whole lot of knowledge this morning. But if our hearts aren't turned aren't hungering, aren't seeking for Him. We're missing it, guys. You see here, this physical food versus the spiritual food. Job is saying, hey, I have a love for the Word of God. I love the Word. Do you love the Word? I hope you love the Word. If you don't love the Word, I hope you're being stirred up today to love the Word. Because these few verses, they're pretty awesome. And there's a whole lot of other awesome scriptures in the Word of God. So, let's talk about seeking the Lord. Me, you, us, seeking Him. Um, that brings me to my next game of hide and seek, in which I didn't know I was playing hide and seek. Uh, Shalom wasn't born yet, so Finn and Uriah were tiny. And Sonny was gone with Uriah somewhere. So I am taking care of Finn, and he's not even two years old yet. And I love twos. Some guys say terrible twos. That's so I love two-year-olds. Okay, So he's at that age, and we're upstairs. I think I was folding laundry or something upstairs with Finn. And Finn just disappears. I'm like, hey, where's, where are you, buddy? Finn! Where'd you go? You know, so I just saw him, and he just disappeared. I go running into his room, not there. I go running into the other room, he's not there. Well, that little stinker must have crawled down the stairs, and <laughs> he's down. I go downstairs. I'm looking all over, and I'm starting to get worried because I don't see him anywhere downstairs. I run out the back door. Did my little boy open the door and go for a cruise? I'm like, 
not enough time has passed. He can't be that far. He's not outside. Where is he? I come back in and now I'm yelling, Finn, where are you? I'm like, he was upstairs. He was right there and just disappeared. Where is he? So I go back upstairs and I didn't know I was playing hide and seek. Finn thought I was playing hide and seek. He was sitting in our dryer. He had never done that before. The door is wide open. I go up the stairs in our little room with the dryer and washer right there. And as I'm walking up the stairs, there he is with his nook in his mouth, his little green blankie, big old smile on his face. And I'm like, son, I was calling for you. Why didn't you, you know, say anything? I didn't know where you were going. I was worried. But he was so stinking cute in that dryer. But the truth, guys, when it comes to God, <laughs> he's bad at hide and seek. Why? Because he wants to be found. Do you guys know that? He desires none to perish. He's always, he always lets himself get caught by the seekers. Kind of like when the kids were little. I remember when Uriah was finally old enough to get the concept of hide and seek. And your parents probably can relate. You hid so they could find you because you wanted to keep playing, right? Because they would get exhausted real quick if you hide too good. They just give up. You want to be found. And I believe that's the heart of our Heavenly Father. He wants to be found. So we are social human beings. We like to be pursued. And God desires the same. God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek with all of your hearts. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's Jeremiah 29, 13, and 14. Again, he said, you will seek me and find me when you seek with all of your hearts. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That is a promise. So doesn't that sound like a game of divine hide-and-seek? Sure does to me. Where the Lord invites you to find Him. So am I worth your effort? Come and find me, He seems to be saying here. The Lord wants to be pursued. He wants to be found. And He is worthy of our pursuit. Some say the game of hide-and-seek was invented in the 1600s. I think it started with the first child. We have this cross-cultural game of peekaboo. Any of you guys ever play that? And doesn't every child love that game? Right? So it's not cruel to play peekaboo, right? Every kid likes it. And that makes me think of Psalm 23, or sorry, 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Wow. Think about devotions, guys. Is devotions all about seeking Jesus? That's what devotions is about. What is prayer about? Isn't that all about seeking Jesus? Yeah. 
And aren't those the two kind of foundational things to our faith, to our lives, to our faith walks? Absolutely. There's a seeking of Him. I asked you guys earlier, what do you seek? I know some come to church because they're seeking many things besides Jesus. I know some people seek God because they want the blessings. So they're really seeking blessings. They're not really seeking God. Or they might be seeking a better way of life. What can I do? How can I get rich or be healthy? They're not really seeking God. So how do we seek the Lord? I'm glad you guys asked. It's seeking His presence. Seeking His presence. One of the prayers I have when I gather together with you guys on Sundays, I'm like, Lord, if you're not there, I don't even want to go. If we're just going through the motions and doing all this apart from you, forget it. We're done as a church. Do you guys get it? The reason we gather is because of Him. And we are seeking Him together. So, we seek the Lord for His presence. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. That's Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. I want to speak to you saints who've been in the Lord for a little while. We know, we see often, we may have ourselves at one time when we got saved. It was exciting. We couldn't put the Word of God down. We wanted to know Him so badly. We'd go to every study there was, every prayer group there was. We hungered for Him. We had a desire for Him. Do we still have that same type of hunger? Do we still seek Him the same way? Don't say, Pastor, I have. And I've exhausted my search and I've comprehended. I've arrived. I get it. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. I know the truth. That's your mentality. If you've arrived, you've, you don't have a clue. <laughs> I say that in love. Okay? For you guys who seek the Lord and are diligently seeking Him, you know just how awesome. And you find yourself in awe of Him often. Because it's like, wow, there's another facet of who you are. Here's another truth I've never seen before. Here's another reality of your mercy. Here's another thing of your grace, and it grows, and it grows. I thought it couldn't grow anymore, and there's more grace. God, you are so awesome. I thought I treasured you, but this treasure, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Seeking His presence, guys, is so important. The word presence in the common translation of the Hebrew 
is actually face. They should use the word face. So literally, I seek his face, is what the scriptures would say. So literally, as we consider the Hebraic way of having access to God, it's by seeking his presence, seeking his face, to set before his to be set before his face is to be set before his presence. You guys can jot down Jeremiah 23, 23. And Jeremiah quotes God here and he says this. Am I only a God nearby and not a God far away? I love that question. Or... As King David reminds us in Psalm 130, actually I want you guys to turn there, Psalm 139. These are some of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. We're going to look at verse 7 and on. Psalm 139, verse 7, David reminds us here. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I dwell in the, or if I make the wings of the morning and dwell in the most utter parts of the sea, even there your right hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Isn't that cool? In other words, you can't get away from God. He's everywhere. Another scripture I'd like to share with you guys, guys, is from the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. And Jesus speaking here, and he says, And so I tell you, keep asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep seeking, and you will find. Keep knocking. And the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So doesn't ask, seek, and knock speak of a continual action in the Greek? Yeah! I'm glad you guys knew that. It's something we have to continually do. We should always be asking, seeking, and knocking. And our faith needs to be active. Do you guys get that? Needs to be active, not passive. I see some saints who were once active in their faith. They were serving the Lord. They were studying. They were generous with their time, their resources. And now they're enjoying retirement. And they've checked out I had my season of helping the kids in ministry or doing that outreach. Has anyone found retirement taught in the Bible? Anybody? Me neither. Okay. Does our faith get to retire, guys? No. We fight the good fight till when? 65? No. To the day we die. Amen? Okay. So it's continually... So our faith needs to be active. So asking, that implies humility, right? 
Okay? Proud people don't get this study this morning. Proud people won't understand this scripture. We need to be humble, guys. Humility is needed in asking because answers are needed, right? I don't know. I need help. I'm confused. Lord, please help. Answer me. So asking. And then seeking is asking plus acting. And then knocking is asking and acting. And then persevering in it. Well, how does that look, Pastor? Asking. Honey, there you are. Have you seen my keys? No. Seeking. Honey, are you sure you haven't seen my keys? As I'm frantically beginning to look in the couch cushions and in the closets. And, and then knocking would be going to the boys' door. Knocking on their door, opening their Boys, have you seen my keys? Shalom, have you seen my keys? Do you guys see the difference there? And that's what God's asking us to do. To remember the order, ask. A-S-K. Acrostic. Asking, seeking, knocking. So it's not saying to twist God's arm. That's not what I'm telling you guys. It's not what's being preached. So you can get what you want. No, it means you keep in close communion with the Father. You stay close to Him. Last week, I encouraged our church family to stay near the Good Shepherd. I think that's a good word. That's something that could preach every Sunday. Because that's what's needed. But then some of us feel like we're playing hide and seek with God. I want to be near Him. I want to be close. I want to be in communion. But I just can't see Him to find Him. I would encourage you, seek for Him with all your heart. Keep seeking. Don't give up. Because He's promised when you seek for Him, you will find Him. And enjoying that close communion being to gaze upon his face, nothing like it. So we stay close. We keep seeking. We keep knowing his will. What do you want, God? What are you asking of me, Father? Keep asking him to perform his will. Let your will be done on earth, in my life, as it is in heaven. Whatever you want, your purpose is God. I am here for your glory. Whatever you want. I want to conclude this morning for you who may feel a complete disconnect. You're hearing this, but you're just like, it's not making sense. <laughs> I don't feel any connectivity with the Lord whatsoever. I read the Bible. It doesn't make sense. I hear you pastor preaching and it's not really making sense. It's just a bunch of stories or good ideas. Maybe you're still in your sins. 
Maybe you're in an unforgiven state. You're not saved, thus you don't have a personal relationship with God. What should I do then? I'm glad you asked. You repent. Why? I'm glad you asked. Acts 3.19, maybe my favorite scripture in all the Bible. It says this, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's what you need to do. Until you are willing to repent, turn to Christ Jesus, turn from this world, your sin, yourself. You turn and you give your allegiance to Jesus. You say, yes, I believe the gospel. You are my maker. I am following you. You are Lord. The Bible says that you will be born again of the Spirit. You come alive. You are adopted into God's family. You have relationship with Him. The Spirit cries out within you, Abba. It's intimacy. You actually start calling God your dad. Daddy, Papa. That's what God wants with us. And that's what happens when you seek Him with all your heart. Because you will be confronted with the truth. And you either receive Him or you reject Him. And I pray you receive Him because there is no greater joy in this life than knowing God, being at peace with your Maker, to be able to call Jesus your friend. Think about that, guys. What a privilege. In this verse here, Acts 3.19, repent. This is not just for the unbeliever. Some of us believers who've been in the Lord need a time of refreshing. And we think if we just can get this right, start doing this discipline, or maybe getting on a vacation and getting away, that's going to meet my deep need, my longing. Well, hopefully you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And He alone is able to satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts, guys. It's only Him. And brother and sister, we can do Acts 3.19 too. We can repent at any time and turn to Him and be in His presence. Because I need to repent daily. Sometimes moment by moment if you know what I'm talking about. You guys get sidetracked like me sometimes. You may even have a great devotional time, good prayer time, and then you get that phone call, or the kids need this, or that came up, or something happened at work. And it's just like, wait a minute, I got derailed. <laughs> I was in your presence, Lord, and now I'm not. What do I do? You repent. You just turn back to Him. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to go through a bunch of rituals and sacrifices or make a Sunday morning first to get right with God again. No. We get to come boldly before His throne of grace in time of need. Isn't that wonderful, guys? We have access. 
I think of the Old Testament. Was God playing hide and seek with Israel, his people? No. They knew right where he was. The Shekinah glory there in the Holy of Holies in the temple. We know that's where God is. We don't have to seek for him. He's right there. But there's one problem. (laughs) We're sinful. (laughs) And he's holy, holy, holy. I know where he is, but I don't have access to him. I can't have communion with him. There's no fellowship. I can't behold his face. I can't be refreshed in his presence. Because haven't you heard? If people go into the Holy of Holies behind that big curtain, they'll die being in the presence of a holy God. They're struck dead. Even our high priest, our most holy dude, we have to tie a rope around his leg because on the one day a year that he's actually allowed to go in, if he didn't do all his sacrifices right, if he didn't clean himself upright before going in, He's going to drop dead, and at least we can drag him back out with the rope. Aren't you guys glad when Christ was crucified upon that cross and he cried out, it is finished, that there was a huge earthquake that went right up into the temple, and that huge curtain that divided us from God was rent, was torn from top to bottom, and God is saying access, free access, You can now enter. Anyone can come. My sacrifice upon this cross, my blood that is shed for the remission of sin. You can be washed in my blood. You can be forgiven. You can be sinless because of my sacrifice. We can now have fellowship. We can commune. I can be your dad. You can be my son. You can be my daughter. That's the beauty of the gospel, guys. That's the privilege of knowing Jesus Christ. So I encourage you guys, seek the Lord well. Encourage one another to seek the Lord well. And pray for one another to seek the Lord well. And I would even take that a step further. Do you pray for the lost souls out there? If God tells us that the Word of God is able to make us wise for salvation, and that if we seek Him, we will find Him, you think we should be praying that people are stirred up to seek God? Do you think maybe we should be sharing the Word of God? The Scriptures that are able to make people wise for salvation. Because we can sit here this morning and we can be like, right on, Pastor. That's a good word. That's a great passage from Job. This is good stuff. I am blessed. I'm filled. I'm encouraged. I'm even rebuked and corrected a little bit. It's all good. But you know what this does to the non-believer, guys? It speaks of damnation, of wrath, of judgment. There's a whole world out there that don't believe in those things. And we need to speak it even if it's hard for people to hear. Why? Because we love them enough to tell them the truth. Yeah, you are going to stand in judgment. 
Yes, hell is reality. Sin stinks. And there's a penalty for it. And unless your sin is forgiven, washed away, there is no hope. You need a Savior. And that's where the volume of the book being about Jesus is so beautiful. Because it all points back to Him in our need of Him. Amen? Amen. Would you guys stand with me and we'll close in prayer. Lord, we are thankful for this time together this morning. Thank you again just for the gift of fellowship and the gift of your word. We thank you for just a short passage in Job. God, where we're exhorted to be in love with your word and to stay on your path. And that's how I'd like to pray for my brothers and sisters and for myself today. God, that we would be in that place of continually seeking you, eyes on you. God, Holy Spirit, would you work and lead us well, that we wouldn't be going astray or tempted by the enemy, that we'd be so in love with you and your word, Lord, that all we would be about is your business. God, I pray that you would revive hearts that you'd stir us up afresh, that we would repent well, that each and every one of us would enjoy just being in your presence. Because there is nothing like that, Father. We thank you so much that you are alive. We thank you that you are coming back one day soon. (laughs) But until then, Lord, we want to stay on track doing those things you've asked us to do. So please, Have your way. Do your work. We pray for this community, for Kakana, for the Fox Valley, Northeast Wisconsin, our whole country, God, this world. (laughs) As we're facing a lot of crazy chaos, God, people need hope. They need truth. They need you, Jesus. So we pray that you would shine well and shine through us well for your glory. Amen? Amen.